Thank you. It's good to be here. Really good to be here and uh, appreciated this entire weekend to be able just to come back to my California home uh, church and uh, just just celebrate what God is doing. Um, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and enjoyed uh, some family time. I know I did, and I got to be with my mom and dad and, and uh, my brothers and my brother and sister and, and their family, and uh, just a great time. Um, I love your pastors. I just wanted to say th- uh, thanks to them uh, for uh, doing and being obedient to God. We're going to get into a little bit about um, that them stepping out of the boat a little bit today, but um, he's a trusted friend uh, of mine, and, and man, I, I just really appreciate and value our friendship. Um, but I'm thankful also for what God is doing here in the Santa Clarita Valley through Higher Vision Church. It's amazing to be a part of the elder board, to be able to come back, you know, when we do and, and throughout the year when we uh, get together via Skype and all that kind of stuff, just to hear the incredible stories of God's goodness uh, that is happening through you, uh, those who, who call this uh, Higher Vision uh, your home. And so we're, we're grateful for that. Um, the last time I actually spoke was uh, 2005 at Castaic Elementary. Any Castaic elementary yeah, this is our third location. Our first one was Residence Inn. And uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, good to see you, Valerie. Right on. So uh, yeah, Residence Inn, that was, uh, that was where it all started off Lions Road. And then we kind of, you know, like, do we go to Golden Valley High School? That's a really cool facility. And Castaic, and we finally landed in Castaic Elementary. Man, it was awesome. And uh, so the last time I spoke was there. So let me bring you a little bit up to speed since I'm family. And that's what we do during the holidays. We kind of bring you up to speed where, where we are. This is a picture of my family. And uh, Melissa and I have been married. We celebrated uh, 20 years of marriage this last October. And uh, so can I get a little? Thank you. <laughs> hey, 20 years is a big deal. Come on now. Yeah, so 20 years, uh, those are our three kids. Jackson's 18, he's a freshman at Grand Canyon University. Uh, Nathan's 16 on the, le- uh, the left-hand side. And then Gianna is 10. And for those of you who, who, who knew us right around that time when we left in 2005, we had just finished our adoption process with, with Gianna. We adopted her from China when she was 10 months old. She's now 10 years old. And uh, so it's pretty cool to, to see the growth of my family. Thank you. I got to love the 1130 service. You guys got a little juice in you. You got a little extra sleep. You know, maybe ate some breakfast, all that kind of stuff. So thank you for being here. Um, Again, Thanksgiving is a time to remember. And and if you were like us uh, in our family, we, we just looked back on the year and just said, God, thanks. For, for what you've done in our lives, for, for what you, you uh, uh, have done through, through all of us and, and just your goodness to us. And um, it's a time of celebration. And we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate regularly. And the reason why we need to celebrate is because it reminds our enemy that God has already won. Right? Celebration's a time to remember, hey, we're winning. We're winning. When somebody scores a touchdown and they're behind by 15, you know, touchdowns, whatever, they don't celebrate. But if you're ahead, you celebrate, right? Boom, a little spike, a little, oh, in your face. And that's why we're coming here together on Sunday mornings to celebrate God's goodness in our life. But guess what? Wednesday's coming this week, right? 
And there's an opportunity for us to celebrate God's goodness. So, so as we go on, let it be not just a holiday season of thanksgiving, but let that thankful heart just resound in our, let that one be the first thought, thank you. Thank you for this coffee, God. Thank you so much for this coffee. Whatever, whatever is flowing out of your heart, but be thankful and celebrate God's goodness. I, I'm going to speak to you for a little bit today on when it doesn't make sense, remember God's goodness. When it doesn't make sense, remember his goodness. Um, turn with me to two places, De- Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we're also going to turn to Genesis 6. We're going to go to a couple different places after that. If, you, if you're really handy and you got your Bible or, you know, your Bible app or whatever and want to find 1 Kings 17, we'll, we'll go there in just a little bit too. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, let me give you a little bit of background, what's going on here. If, if, if you look a few chapters before, a very significant thing happened in the, the children of Israel's life. They were given the Ten Commandments in, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And as you, you go along and you read this, the, the, the commandments were given to them because they were all over the map. They were worshiping this God and, and doing this wrong thing. And that. God's like, let me just give you just ten things to follow. Just to kind of give you some alignment with, with who I am and what I have for you. So, so the next couple chapters, no, uh, Moses takes and, and explains just the importance of them. He says in, in, in chapter 6 in Deuteronomy, please impress these on your kid's heart. Man, talk about them when they wake up. Talk about them when you're about your day and you're, you're driving in your car or, you know, on your donkeys, whatever. But talk about them. He also said, hey, when you, you go to bed at night, that's a good time too to reiterate what God is doing and, and, and re- remember the, the things that, that God has told us. And it's so important when God speaks, that we listen. That's a big deal. When God speaks to us, that we listen. And my prayer for this service is that God, throughout this message, maybe through the song, maybe throughout the, at the end, is going to say something to each and every one of you. And you're going to remember and it's going to change your life. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're going to pick up reading there. And again, he's just reiterating, please don't forget. He says this in verse number 1 of chapter 8. Be careful to follow every command that I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. He's underscoring, please, if you you don't don't do this, you're not going to be able to to enter in. It's It's a very vital thing. Remember the Lord your God who led you all the way out of the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to, to know what was in your heart, whether or not that you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you uh, to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Verse 11, verse 14, verse 18, verse 19, as you read along in this, it's be careful not to forget. Remember this. Don't forget the Lord your God. As I mentioned before, when God speaks to us, it's a big, it's a big deal. But many times we fail to hear God because we don't take time to listen. I've been guilty of it. Maybe you've been guilty of that too, but we don't take time to listen. Um, About a year and a half ago, two years ago, 
um, I started my day with, with uh, just a declaration over myself when my alarm goes off and you're tempted to just to roll back and say, you know, 10 more minutes of sleep. My, my declaration over myself was, I love spending time with you and hearing your voice every day. It's one of the first things that came out of my mouth. So for 30 days, maybe even longer, that was the first thing that came out of my mouth. And what I was wanting to do is I was wanting to create this atmosphere in my heart. Because uh, the Bible says that out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. So I was creating that, putting that in my heart. And I wanted to spend time with God, not to get anything, but just to hear him. And just spend time with him and, and, and hear his voice every day. Well, what began to happen was he began to speak to me. Clearer, sharper than ever before. Not that he never spoke to me before. But man, it was just like, just nuggets every day. And I'd be about my day and, and someone would speak to me and say something to me. And I'd like, God, that was you. I know that was you. And I would go write things down or I'd be at church or whatever. And, but the clarity was amazing because I, I set my heart and my attention to spending time with God and hearing his voice every day. But like I said, it's, it's so hard because we, we, we don't make time for it. Scripture just told us that we live by every word comes out of the mouth of God. That's what God desires for us, to, to live on every word of, of his his instruction and his guidance to us. When we value God's word in our life, what it does is it increases the volume of his voice. When we value God's word in our life and when steward what he tells us, we increase the volume of his voice. One of the, the ways that I steward God's word is I write it down. I've got a journal and I wrote it down and I gotta tell you, these last probably good two to three years that I've, I've been really using this as a, as a discipline for me. Man, it's awesome to look back and see the things that God has spoken to my life and, and the things that he showed me. And you're like, God, thank you for, you know, that time of my life that you, you, you said this to me. And just remembering what, what God has done in his goodness. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, familiar. says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. One of the things that I realized that there was some stuff in my heart that was keeping me from trusting God completely. Sure, I gave God a pocket of, of, of things. You know, God, I can trust you to this limit. But if you go beyond this limit, then I got to go into my own understanding and figure this stuff out, Right? You've been guilty of that like I have? Man, it was, it was frustrating at times to say, I'm not sure how this is going to work out, God. You're, you're, you're asking me to do something that doesn't make sense. So I'm going to tell you some of the things that I learned. Three things that I've learned of, of when it doesn't make sense, God can be trusted. He can be trusted. First of all, trust his process. Trust his process. God will ask us to do some things that are unexpected in our life. He's going to do some, he's going to ask us to do some things that are unexplainable. Um, as, as you look at, at uh, scripture, uh, Jesus did some things that were a little unexplainable. Um, choosing his disciples, right? 
12 thugs, for, for lack of a better word. These guys, uh, you know, foul-mouthed fishermen, you know, kind of a crooked tax collector. And, you know, so these guys, he chose because he saw something inside of them that, that would promote and advance his kingdom here on this earth. And so that's one thing. The other thing was, was putting mud on guys' eyes to heal them. You know, that just doesn't make sense. Um, uh, teachings like, you know, bless those who curse you and, and, and those who say evil of you. You know, give them a big old hug. Give them a big old hug. Just pour blessing on them. That stuff doesn't make sense. So trust God when it doesn't make sense. Trust his process. And in, in um, Genesis 6, I asked you to turn there, right? All right. We're going to, to look at this uh, passage. This is the passage where God tells Noah, hey, look, the world is crazy, it's nuts, and uh, wickedness is filling the earth. I'm going to destroy it by a flood, but I'm going to save you and your family. So I'm going to give you some instructions in order for you to, to, uh, to be saved. So um, when God tells you something uh, that, that you're, it hasn't rained, right, ever, and he's building this boat, he says this in verse 14, so make an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it the pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 70 feet wide, or 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Make a roof. And he goes on and tells them these details of what the ark's supposed to look like. Um, it's awesome when God gives you details in your life because, you know, Psalm 37, uh, 23 and 24 says that God delights in the details of our life. If you're here today and you're like, man, God, I wish you would, um, you know, be mindful of my situation. You, you see the details. That's an encouragement there. He knows the details of your life and he's mindful of them. Not all the time, though, when he asks you to do something that's unexplainable, does he give you the details. But in this particular instance, he told Noah some specific things. One of my favorite parts of this entire passage is the last verse in chapter 6. It says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Everything. You see, in heaven Almighty, he didn't do everything that God, God asked him to do. That's not, that's not the story you're talking about. But, but Noah did everything that God commanded. That's tombstone material. That's the kind of stuff that I want on my tombstone. He did everything God told him to do. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, so good. But when he, he speaks, uh, he's going to speak some things to us that are going to require us to trust him. And that's where we got to make sure our heart is in the right place. We got to have it all cleaned out so we can trust the Lord with all of our heart and not lean on our own understanding. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but there's no steering wheel in the ark. Right? If I'm Noah... I'm like, um, left out a little detail there, God. You delight in those details, right? Let me, put a, let me put a steering wheel in. And so many times when God tells us to do something that's unexplainable, we're tempted to put the steering wheel in. God didn't say it, don't do it. It's safe that way. 
I remember in 2003 on a, on a ride home uh, from church. I was getting a ride home, hitching a ride home with Pastor Jared. We both were on staff at a, at a church in Modesto, California. And uh, he was a worship pastor and I was in, in, in the music department and uh, one of the intern directors. And so I was on the, on the way home and we were debriefing about the, the service. And he, in classic pa Pastor Jared fashion, says, hey dude, guess what? Thinking about planting a church, man. Like, no way. Yeah, God's just been stirring in prayer. And, man, I just feel like this is, this is the, the next step I'm spo supposed to do. And, and Pastor Jared sometimes when he talks gets like this, right? And, you know, and uh, 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 then he gets up here and he talks like this. And then he brings it really soft, quiet, almost. You can't hear him. But he wasn't doing this in the car this day. But he was just really excited. So uh, that guy can get you to do anything. Like he was eating a, a cliff bar one day. He's like, dude, this cliff bar is the best cliff bar ever. Take it, take it, it's best. And so I look at it and I eat it and I'm like, you know, it's like when cliff bars weren't real popular. And he's like, dude, it's so good. Love it. So anyway, <laughs> Pastor Jared, I love that guy. Um, so he's like, I want you to pray about, about coming. I'm like, sure, sure. So we had served since 1998. It's 2003 at the time. And uh, I just hadn't, didn't feel released from, from serving in ministry with him. So we sold our house in Modesto. We moved down here. And, and part of that, that launch team uh, with, you know, about 15 others of us, uh, it was amazing. And, and God was doing some incredible things. I mentioned we were looking out at Golden Valley at first, not sure where, where we, were, we were supposed to plan. We did two services. We'd do two services there and we'd do two services over here. And then finally we, we landed in Castaic. And man, we got some momentum going. And 2005 was just, it was so cool. Our daughter had just came into our, our world and our life. Man, it was awesome. But then something unexpected happened. God um, asked us to, to move to Arizona. And at first we were like, we're not sure about this. This, is, this was not the plan because we bought the house. And the, the, the plan was we were going to help build Higher Vision Church to, to really what it, what it is today. This was the vision uh, and, and, and even beyond this of what God had, had birthed in his heart and, and even mine as I, as I caught the vision uh, uh, of, of what Higher Vision was to be. So... In, in, in leaving here, some place that was, that was dear to our hearts, some place that, that God had really like, like tied and knit our hearts together, it was tough. I remember driving to Arizona uh, in the U-Haul, uh, no joke, 115 degrees in the, the midsummer July that we moved in, which is brutal. Like, come on, God, what is up with this? This is, this is horrible. Horrible. And, you know, thinking this through, there were some things in my heart that, that, that I didn't know was really, really in there. And so as we, as we move, um, I, I'm going to try to summarize in the next few moments, uh, two th 2005 to 2012 for you. Uh, just, and I'll give you some timeline and all that stuff. But to, to, to just give you an idea, God refined my heart my, my, my wife's heart and, and, and our, our entire family, financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, in every way you can imagine, we were refined 
through the fire of Arizona. Uh, but we were refined so, so much because there were some things in my heart that I, that I just didn't know was in there. But, but the other thing, a part, and part of this is, is I developed this greater sense of identity in who, who I was in Christ. I developed this greater sense of, of trust and, and purpose and even calling that he had upon my life. And, and it definitely wasn't without struggle, wasn't without pain. And in, in those moments of our life where, where we're um, uh, surrounded by this kind of stuff, it could, it could break a family apart or it could bond us together. And I'm thankful that by the grace of God, it bonded our hearts closer together as a family. So one of the things that God taught me in this was we can easily trust God. Maybe not easily, but sometimes we can trust God with our eternity, right? We think about it. Salvation secure in you. Thank you, God, for saving me. And, and one day when he returns, we're going to go to heaven and spend, spend eternity with him. We can trust God with the eternity. But what I was having trouble with was trusting God with day to day. How are you going to meet my needs, God? I know what your word tells me, that you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. I know that, that uh, you know, that if I trust you with all my heart, that you're going to direct my paths. That's what your word says. And don't lean on my own understanding. But those, those were some things that, were, that I was struggling with. And in February 2012, I, I was on staff at a church. Um, it was a church plant. Go figure. Uh, it was a church plant. And I had been there for about five years. And God was just blessing uh, the ministry. He blessed my ministry and, 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 and some of the things that I oversaw. I was developing, you know, a lot of influence within the church and leadership-wise. I was developing influence in the community. And, and, and the church was really, really becoming known as, as for our outreaches and things like that. And, and God used that in a powerful way. But, but um, during this time, I was in a funk. From like, you know, summer of 2011 to, to like, like February 2012. One morning my wife and I were on a walk. And we were walking and I don't know about, about some of you other gentlemen, but God uses my wife to speak to me a lot. And this morning he used her to speak to me. And one of the ways uh, uh, that he, he's, what he said to me was, um, uh, she, she said, you know, that funk that you're feeling, do you, do you think that maybe we're just done and our season is, is complete here? Well, it was so simple and so profound. I was like, nah, yeah, that's it. Oh, Lord, you're awesome. That's great. And I was like going to counselor and, you know, trying to figure some things out, which, which helped. But, but just the, ah, oh, our season's finished. That's it. So simple. So I call my dad up and I talk to him and I'm like, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm going to resign. I don't know what the next step is. And he gave me some, some great wisdom. And um, the Bible says that in a multitude of counsel, there's safety. So I call some of my other friends up and I call Pastor Jared up. And one of the things that he told me, I said, I know that you, you experienced this when we were at Calvary Temple. You know, ministry was awesome and God was using you in great ways. And how do you go about leaving a church when things are good, you know? And uh, he said, don't do anything. Just sit on it and pray on it. And he gave me a verse of scripture, uh, Ecclesiastes 8.5. And he said, and the Ecclesiastes 8.5 simply says that a wise man's heart discerns timing and judgment or procedure of how to go about doing, doing something. 
So from, from that February 2nd on, I, I just, and again, I know February 2nd because God spoke to me. When God speaks to us, it's a big deal. And we need to remember those moments that God spoke to us. So February 2nd, then on, I just started praying. And it was amazing to see how God led me through that process, step by step by step, even to the date I was supposed to resign. After Easter, right? If you're in ministry, you know Easter is not a good time. Or anything before Easter is not a good time for staff changes to be happening. So, so it was after Easter, the Thursday after. I'm like, cool. All right. Thanks. I felt good. And, and the time came. So I, I went in, resigned. And um, that night, there was an interest service. It was the fourth interest service for a church that was starting and had four interest services already. I was at the first one in January. I was at the second one. I thought, you know what, I'll just go and, and welcome them to the community. I'm one of the pastors here. And so I went. February, my wife and I went to the interest meeting. My kids went with us in March. And by that time, it was kind of clear that God was directing us to go serve at this church. So when I go in to resign, the pastor says, like, so what are you going to do? I'm like, um, I don't know. I, I don't have that plan. I just know I'm not supposed to be here anymore. Felt a little foolish just, just telling him that. And uh, so, so with that, um, I said, but I do know this. I'm supposed to go serve at this church. We're going to go volunteer. It's about 45 minutes away, so there's no conflict of interest. Um, so we're going to go serve, and we, you know, that wasn't my intent, to, to disrupt the church or anything like that. So we go serve, and, and again, it's, it's, I, 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 um, I go resign. And that night was the fourth interest service, so I go up for prayer at the end. And uh, I go up for prayer, and I say, um, I'm a pastor, and God has, I'm feeling God's direction and his drawing to, for my family to come here and serve in some capacity. And I don't know what that looks like, but, I, but we're, we're all in. And I resigned my position today, and the pastor's like, oh, great, great, you know. And uh, so uh, I need prayer. I need a job. He's like, okay, great. So he prays for me. No joke. It was awesome. The way God worked that transition was incredible. I had provision, and, and I stayed on through June 1st. But, but even after that, I had a little severance that, that just, just God worked it out to where I'm going to go one week without some kind of pay. It was so, so great. So I, I started a new position and, uh, at Grand Canyon University. I got a job. And I was an enrollment counselor there. And then, then I moved into university development. And I was going out, you know, talking to businesses and organizations about the benefits of Grand Canyon University, which, by the way, is a great university if you're looking for a four-year... Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Online, all of that, if you need a master's program, you know... Uh, Anyway, I can, I can help you out there. But, but it was amazing how God used that time. And here's what's even more amazing with it. I'm just going to share some stories of God's goodness. In, <laughs> I made one-third of the salary I made as a pastor, which wasn't much. But, but thank God, he, he allowed us to be able to get a house. We bought a house on one-third less the salary. Um, we bought a car, cash. 
um, is, is new to us, but it was a newer car. We had a car given to us as a second car. Got two boys that are in driving now. I mean, the, those stories are, are amazing to, to be able to retell what God did for us. Um, the other thing was God, um, um, what, what the, the second thing, I, I'm just, you know, the first one was trust his his process. The second thing is trust his provision. And I'm telling you a little bit about that provision. So write that down. Trust his provision. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. If God calls you to, to something and he, he, he tells you something that's beyond yourself, he's the one that's going to need to provide. If God calls something in your life that's beyond you, he's the one that's going to need to provide. Just trust him. Trust him. When it doesn't make sense, trust his provision. And, and I'm going to get back into my story there for a second. But let's, let's look at 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. During this entire time, I was, of course, seeking God. God, please show me exactly where, you know, I need to work and, and, and be for my family. You know, I'm a pastor. And our church wasn't, that wasn't the motive of me going there to be, be a pastor. But it, again, the drawing was there and I'm thinking, okay, I'm a pastor. Does that mean I'm going to be a pastor here someday? Okay, God, I'm going to lay that at your feet. And I just laid it at God's feet and I said, I'm not going to pick it up. If that's the thing that you have for me down the road, then you speak to the pastor. I'm not going to say a word to him about, about hey, you know, now's the time. You know, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm not going to do any of that. But it was, it was awesome to see how God worked, worked it all out. And he took me to 1 Kings 17. I just want to read it to you. I'm in the, the New Living Translation. This is a story where there was famine in the land. And uh, so God tells Elijah, look, I'm going to take care of you by taking you to Zarephath. And there's a, a widow there that's going to take care of you and, and feed you. So Elijah goes to, to Zarephath, sees the, the, the widow, and he, <laughs> he goes up and says, hey, would you bring me a cup of water? And also, um, could you give me a piece of bread as well? And I'm, I was thinking, reading this, what, what audacity. You know, here she's a widow and it's famine and you're asking. But there's a principle God wanted to, to teach, not only the widow, but to teach us today. And so um, she says in her reply to him, uh, to this request, is in verse 12 of, of 1 Kings 17. She said, I swear to you by the Lord that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. All I have... And, all, and the only thing I have is this handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of this jug. And I was gathering some sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I are going to die. I mean, she was hopeless. This is my last meal, and you're telling me to, to give you something to drink and then also, you know, a, a piece of bread with this? Come on. So the, the, the prophet of the Lord says this, and I love how... Our initial reaction is, wait a second, can't do it. That's beyond me, right? When God tells us something that's unexpected, she didn't expect someone to ask her for some bread. But he says to this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. We sang about it today. Don't be afraid in the song. You make me brave, God. You call me out beyond the shore. So, so don't be afraid. And then he goes on and says this. This is awesome. He said, go ahead and do what you've said. Make a little bread for me first. Then use 
what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. There will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops to grow again. Man, God keeps his promises. And if you look at verse 16, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised Elijah. Isn't that a great, great story, a reminder of God's goodness to our life? But the principle here is this. It's a great picture, the principle of first fruits. Proverbs 3.9 says this, to honor the Lord with your wealth, with the best part of everything that you produce. This principle guided my wife and I through all of the, the, the financial struggle that we had. From fi- 2005 to 2012, there was about a year combined, about a year and a half worth of being without a job. That's a lot. I mean, if you've ever gone three months without a job, you know exactly what I'm talking about, the stress and the, and the, the tension that, that happens of like, how are we going to pay for this? No, no insurance for our kids, what, you know, those kinds of things. There's a little bit of stress. But this principle of honoring the Lord with our first fruits, we, we, we obeyed it. We submitted our hearts to it. And what's awesome is giving, whenever we give, what it is, and it's an expression of submission of our heart. Giving is, a, is an expression of submission to your heart to say, God, I'm going to be obedient to you. I don't get it. I don't get why I'm going through this, but I know what your word tells me. I'm going to be obedient to you, to, to you. So out of obedience of our heart, we continued to tithe, which is 10% of what you bring in. And so that's, that's what we committed to do. So in this process, God was dealing with some of the things in my heart, and, and there was a little part of me, just a little part of like, I'm going to give so that, that God will, will bless me. And, and his word says that. His word says that. Give and shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, men given to your bosom. And I, and I believe that. But my motive was, I'm going to give just so I can get. But God transformed my mind and thinking and saying, look, just give to give. The privilege is the giving part. For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave. There's a joy in giving. There's a joy in giving, and I was missing it. I had to let go of this entitlement in my heart. And, and, and when, when kids, right, coming up on Christmas time, there's entitlement bound in their heart. What do they do? They throw a fit. Oh, I want it. I want it now. You know, we do that too. We, we rebel, though, as adults. When we don't want to do something or maybe we don't get something that, that we think we deserve and when we deserve it, we rebel in our hearts. You really know what we deserve? Ephesians 2 talks about this. We deserve death. That's what we deserve. We were objects. The Bible says you were once objects of God's wrath. Didn't stop there though. Thank God. That's awesome. But... God, who is rich in love, rich in love, saved us by his grace. Isn't that great? Saved us by his grace. Trust his process. Trust his provision. He's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of us. One other thing that God did during this time, I I talked to you about being able to buy the house and, and the car and all that kind of stuff. 
God stretched us a little bit. He said, I want, you've been tithing. That's awesome. 10% is good. But I want you to increase your giving to me. I want you to increase your giving. He spoke that to us. And it was, it was, it was pretty clear. And, and, and the, the, you know, we sing songs. You, you call me out beyond the shore and to the waves, right? Uh, and, and it's really cool songs to sing. But when he says, you know, I want you to up your giving. And, and I'm still with the one-third of the salary and stuff like that. I'm like, God, do you understand what, yeah, yes, you understand what you're saying. You're God. You know everything. Come on. But that's a stretch. That's a stretch. And, and, and so we've seen God bless even beyond what we can ask or imagine. That's what this church was built upon, that verse of Scripture, Ephesians 3.20. It's on your bulletin. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or imagine. According to the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work within us, to Him be the glory. To Him be the glory. When it doesn't make sense... You can trust his provision. The third thing, last thing, when it doesn't make sense, trust his purposes. Trust his purposes. Flip with me to uh, Judges. Judges chapter 6. I love this story. I love this story. Um, Remember we talked about earlier how the children of Israel, um, uh, Moses impressed, don't, don't forget, please remember what God has told you. And when he speaks, it's an important thing. Well, we see here in, in, in chapter 6 of Judges, um, verse number 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, he gave them over to the hands of the Midianites. Because of the power of the Midian, of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in the mountains, in the clefts, and in, in, in strongholds. And, and so... This is a time of oppression that the Midianites were going through, or excuse me, the children of Israel, by the hand of the Midianites. They would plant crops and, and they, would, they would take them from them. And so there was, there was fear all through the Israelites. So God comes to and appears to, to Gideon, who's hiding, threshing some, some wheat, just trying to get some food for his family probably. And he says this, the angel of the Lord, in verse 11, came and sat down under the, the oak in Ophrah and began, or that belonged to, to Joash, the Ab- Ab- This is why last two services I started in chapter, or excuse me, in verse 12. This is why I started in verse 12. Let me just jump to verse 12. So the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and he says this, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What a powerful statement of alignment. Now see, he knows where we are in our lives. So he, he's speaking into his life prophetically to saying, look Gideon, you, I know what you're going to reply to me before I even say something to you. But he, he says, but sir, Gideon replies, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? We're all the wonders that our fathers had told us about. And, and uh, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us put us in the hand of the Midian. The Lord turns to him and says, Gideon, you can't play that card anymore. That card of, of, of no, you, you can't do it. So he tells him, go in the strength that you have and save Israel. But, 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 
I'm the least. My, my tribe is the least. I'm so weak, God. And he said, no, go in the strength that you have. I love this reply to God, or from, from the Lord. In, in verse 16, he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. So many times when God asks us to do something that's unexpected or beyond ourselves, we come up with all these excuses. I can't do this. I don't have that. You know, I'm not as talented as this. Or, or that's not my mate, whatever. And God says, you know what? You're never enough. But I'm enough. And I'm with you. I'm with you. That's all you need. That's all you need. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Tells Gideon, I'm with you. Calls him. You're a mighty warrior. I want you to know something. There's a couple of things that God put on my heart to share with you. And this is one express thing. The purpose of our lives are much greater than you and I really understand. The purpose of each one of your life is much greater than you really, really understand. And God really showed me this in, in, uh, in mo most recently. This last March, I met with my current pastor, who, uh, uh, his name's Preston Morrison, and uh, the lead pastor at, at Gateway Scottsdale uh, in Arizona. And he met with me, and, and um, we talked, you know, periodically and kind of met and that kind of stuff. But this last, like, uh, uh, March, he meets with me, and he, he says, hey, um, I really feel that where we're headed, we need your gift that you have for our church. You're, you're one of the most pastoral guys that I know, and, and, and we need that on our team. So I'm like, you know, like overwhelmed because kind of in my heart, I'm like, God, I know this is where you brought me. Two years ago when I left the church that you, you let me serve at for five years, I didn't know that you, you really wanted me to be on staff here. I knew I was supposed to serve, didn't know how long, but now that it's time. And he took me through this process. And so he says, we need you. And um, I, I'm just like, wow, I'm, I'm really honored that, that you would tell me that. I'm, I mean, just to be considered for the position, to be able to come on, on the team, I, that's just, it's just amazing. I'm so, so thrilled. He stopped me and he said, Doug, I want, I want to correct you just lovingly uh, in this moment. Um, first of all, you're not considered for this position. There's not a list of people that we're interviewing or even talking to. So I want you to know some. You're chosen. You're chosen for this. And when he said that, I, this is my Gideon moment. This is my Gideon. God called me out and said, you know what? You're chosen for this, Doug. This, is, this feels, it feels bigger than what I, what I am capable of in my own self. It feels much bigger, and I know it is. But guess what? The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. He's chosen me for this, this moment. But I want, I'm here to tell you, you're chosen by God. You're chosen by God. God says this in his word in 1 Peter. says that you are a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. People who's called to show the praises of him, who's, who's, who's put you out of darkness and put you into his marvelous light. That's you. That's me. That's us as his church. 
Our purpose in life is much greater than we really understand. And I hope you get a hold of that today. Um, I felt this divine stretching. I came on staff. My first day was, was October 1st. And um, since then, I've just felt this divine stretching from God that, ah, man, Lord, and all of us on our, on our team has been stretched. We moved into our new building this summer, and it's been awesome to not be able to set up and tear down. But beyond that, it, beyond that, it's been awesome to just see God draw people, draw people. Within a month, we had to go to two services. And, and this next week, we start our third, and we're starting a Saturday service. And it's just awesome to, to have God bless us this way. Really is. So we've all been stretched. And, and, and honestly, God stretches us to prepare us in order to carry something that's, that's bigger than we can carry ourselves. He stretches us in order for us to be able to carry something that's wider, heavier than we can carry on our own. What this requires, though, is, is me to, to learn and develop to be a better me. And if you're in this situation where you feel like, man, I'm feeling stretched too, continue to develop yourself, to continue to grow and, 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 and push beyond the, maybe the ceiling that you have in your heart. Um, be bold and be confident. About a month ago, God spoke to me. He said, look, I've called you into what you're doing. Just be bold and confident that I have you where I have you. And I've gone back to that word, remembering what God has told me. But, but here's the deal. I want to tell you, there, there's, there's maybe a several of you here that you feel like, God, I just need to get in front of that right person. I just need that meeting. If I had that meeting, then, then it would all be good. I want you to know something. God knows everybody. He knows everybody. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. That meeting's never going to happen. Spend time with God. He'll position you into the people who you need to be in front of, when you need to be in front of them. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and bow with me if you would. Um, what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you this morning? What is he speaking to you? Just let's just take a moment to listen to what the Holy Spirit would have to say to us. Maybe you're at a point in your life and you feel like, man, God, I, I really need to trust your process. You're calling me to something that I've never been, in, been to before or a different aspect of what, what I've been doing. Maybe you need to trust his, his provision in your life in a season of of. Just trust in, in, in where, where he has you financially and in, in, in supporting you in that way. Maybe you're here and like myself and Gideon, you need to trust his purpose in your life. And you're feeling this divine stretching in so many different ways. I'm going to read this verse of scripture. Keep your heads bowed. I'm going to read this verse of scripture over you. God would seal what he has spoken to us today through his word. It's found in Psalm 112. 
We're going to remember God's goodness here when it doesn't make sense. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord and finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. His righteousness will endure forever. Even in darkness, light shines for the upright, for the gracious and the compassionate and the righteous man. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news, for his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. And in the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. There's the celebration again. We've come full circle in our message, thank God. God wants us to look in triumph on his foes. That enemy would, would, would cause discouragement in your life to say, it's never going to get better. The enemy, enemy would say, you're never going to have enough. Enemy would say to you this morning that God doesn't know about your situation. He's not aware of the details of your life. I'm here to tell you that's a lie. Don't listen to it. Listen to the word of the Lord to you this morning. If you're here this morning, if you're here online and you need to know Jesus, don't leave this place without making a decision to follow him. You've heard the word this morning. You've heard how God, who is rich in love, has saved us by his grace. You're not an object of God's wrath anymore. He wants to pour his heart love and his, his spirit into your heart and life. And if you're here this morning, make that step. Raise your hand with, with me this morning. If you're here, I want to pray for you. You need to know Jesus. You need to recommit. Thank you. Thank you. You need to recommit your heart to the Lord. All right, we're all going to pray together. Pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you and I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Wash my heart clean. Make me new in you. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. I'm not going back to my old life. I'm stepping into new life with you today. Old things are gone. News become. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jesus. One more thing. I know we're a little long. We're wrapping up. If you need prayer this morning to trust God when it doesn't make sense, maybe there's some things in your life that, that don't make sense. I want to pray for you this morning. So just raise your hand up so I know who you are. I'm just going to pray for you this morning. If in the middle of this prayer, you want to shoot your hand up, you do it. Father, I thank you for each hand and each heart that's raised to you, Lord. You see what they're going through. You're mindful of what they're going through now. And Lord, by the grace given to me, 
for the grace that what you've done in my life, Lord. I pray you would immeasurably do more for them than what you've done for me. God, multiply their trust in their heart. Lord, if there's anything in their heart that is causing them and putting a lid on their life that, that they can't trust you fully, that they're trying to, to make it work in their own comprehension, Lord, I pray you would show it to them. Remove it, Lord, and fill it with your trust. Fill it with your love. Fill it with, with your, your hope in their life. God, I speak hope into situations, Lord, that are hopeless. I speak life into dead situations. I speak health and peace into people's hearts, Lord. You bless them the way that they need it the most. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for letting me be here today.